0: Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay, Dr. Michael David Clay. I would want to, I guess, caution. (laughs) It's tough sometimes to figure out the right words to use, come up with the right words to use. Caution sounds like the right word, but it's probably more than just a cautious sort of statement or a cautionary sort of statement. It's probably (laughs) more more just a warning. I like to warn those who might presuppose themselves to be in some manner or form a man of God. Now, (laughs) words, again, words. I want to be very careful, as you can tell in the podcast today, how I use the words that I choose. Man of God, woman of God, maybe synonymous for the sake of the podcast today. I'm sure others would disagree. I'm sure that in Scripture there is some... Significance to man of God in terms of the priesthood, tribe of Levi. Uh, But the reason I'm a bit kind of uncertain about even the words to use or the way I would choose to describe the phrase man of God, especially since it's a cautionary sort of statement that I'm making on the podcast today, a warning. Uh, I don't know that it's specific to the priesthood. I don't know that it's specific to any sort of even position or station in the church. A designated man of God or woman of God, uh, pastor, evangelist, it could just be anyone that professes the name of Jesus and in that operates Jesus as the spirit of prophecy operates out of a prophetic dimension that the Holy Spirit brings unto all of us who are, are accepting not only of Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but are in that traditional sort of way of, again, words, calling it born again, Nicodemus. So, so, <laughs> If you go around saying that you're a man or woman of God, and if it should be that I could make the case it's as generic as possibly uh, meaning anybody who accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, then when I read Matthew, and the chapter is 12, verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this age, neither in the age to come. Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Jesus, (laughs) possibly cautionary, warning us all that to presume you are a man or woman of God in and of itself might be just that, a bit presumptuous. Uh, To presume you have some prophetic word to bring someone or to speak more broadly to several someone's, even so a people's. You should do that soberly, with great much prayer and fasting, with great consideration for the implications. Yes it would be as with the people that might be led astray or the person that might be misinformed. If you happen to not be either a man or woman of God or as you may presume again yourself to be of that stature and then therefore (laughs) in that thus saith the Lord sort of Old Testament manner you would go around telling people things you should be sure because I don't think God would let the people necessarily perish upon your word alone, as it may be then not truly of God. But you, (laughs) you would suffer, I believe, great Anguish and torment and pain because God doesn't take that lightly and neither should we and it calls into question our real relationship with God and Jesus Christ and it takes me back to this passage. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this age, neither in the age to come. Now, I would even take some liberty myself to say this. Not being too presumptive. Not wanting to fall into that anguish or torment misrepresenting God's word because really that's what the podcast is about, but that's also what our testimony is about. And not only is it the example, the living word testimony of God's word applied with example, but it is the word of our testimony as to unto Christ, as unto Christ, and the saving power that Jesus holds to keep us from such anguish and torment as hell. And what maybe then is hell? It's many, many things. Besides, I do believe a literal place of great anguish and torment. But it is. Possibly so, the recognition that you thought you were right when you've actually been wrong. And maybe so, more than just being wrong, making a mistake or error. Oh, I got that wrong. Maybe it's wanting to believe you're something more than what you are, which would be cautionary, needful, of a warning. Pride, indeed, goeth before a fall. And to believe that somehow you are operating out of some, again, status, a position of great authority, rabbi, master, teacher. Those are are terms that the Bible usually holds for two classes of people. class of people and one person. The Pharisees, the scribes, were commonly referred to as master and Pharisee and Sadducee and teacher and Pharisee and Sadducee being teacher and rabbi, even so Jesus. But when the people called Jesus that, there was a recognition of him being Possibly more than just simply run of the mill a man of God, there was therein, as with once more this passage an anointing the Holy Spirit, who I believe also would be the only one that truly could not only call you but deliver unto you the Word of God, even as he has all of us through literally that the Recorded word of God as now as in manifest living word of God as now in manifest living word of God proceeding from Christ within us, born again (laughs) unto salvation in Jesus. But Jesus doesn't start there. And even this passage says, wait a minute, if you are the son of man and you do the best you can to (laughs) possibly share a word or even so have ill intentions as the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees of Jesus' time, the masters, the rabbis, the teachers, the equivalent of the pastors, the priests, the holy men of God today you're entitled to mistakes. And with that, there'll be errors that will still manifest iniquity and sin. No one's perfect except Jesus. But isn't that also true? That it's the only through the Holy Spirit that we are sanctified and then we should only go around saying things that the Holy Spirit would then bring to us. And with that, recognizably so, Jesus would tell us in the Holy Spirit. And I believe in this passage, Jesus was actually acknowledging himself or acknowledging as unto himself, son of man, son of God, that he was not going to be any more presumptuous about that while still in carnality and his flesh than he would caution or warn us to be. But he does say, (laughs) if you're willing to accept That you could speak a word, but it may be wrong or it could be even so in competition to another pastor, another minister, another man of God, that it could be forgiven you. But when you go against the Holy Spirit, you've committed the unpardonable. Can you repent yes, but as long as you stay in denial and the pride and the arrogance takes preeminence, you're nothing better than the devil. And that, I think, more or less, less or more, is a pretty good description of what happened to Lucifer, Satan, the devil. In that very same way, he thought himself to be not only equal with God, but better than God. Maybe it was right out saying, I don't believe in you, God, or I just think you're maybe no different than any of the other gods. Maybe it was just misgotten. I don't want to give the devil any more credit than what I might give to me or you or even as I believe Jesus was affording all of us, we could all make mistakes, and our iniquity is we're human, and not only are we prone then to making mistakes, but we're also prone to in that, not wanting to admit them, and in that too, falling into the trap of iniquity, which is then just totally giving up on the Word of God, and no longer being a man of God, but somehow self-proclaimed. So, so, what has this got to do with anything? Although there's a lot there, if that were the only part of the sermon, so to speak, today. But all of this came from 1 Kings chapter 13. And I'm going to read it to you, beginning with verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. It's probably important to acknowledge there is therein, thus, that connection, (laughs) the transition from everything that has been said heretofore on the podcast today and now moving from Matthew I'm going to say back, not only chronologically, but also in terms of chapter, book one, Genesis to the final book of what I would declare as the Holy Bible. I'm moving back to Kings, which precedes Matthew, and thus is in Old Testament context. But Jeroboam was of the slaves, (laughs) of Solomon. And with that, he was therein at odds somewhat with Solomon, and God used that amongst a couple of three things to take the kingdom out of divide it first and to remove a segment of it heretofore Again, chronologically, in word, the Bible, would therein thus be Israel, separating it from Judah. But Jeroboam thought himself as good as the king. (laughs) Jeroboam was, even so, in biblical context, referenced as a mighty man of valor. Jeroboam thought he was something more than he really was. I don't know that he thought himself to be a man of God until the prophet came to him and told him what God was going to do, but it wasn't for Jeroboam that God was doing this. It was for the sake of Israel and Judah and all that therein Solomon had done to think himself better than even the word of God, and as Solomon clearly demonstrates in the book of Ecclesiastes, fell into not only a state of apostasy, but possibly even blasphemy, in that he was not living in any way out of the Holy Spirit. He was living out of grace and mercy, gods, but he had long since lost the fire, so to speak, the passion for life that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Now, was this what Jesus was speaking of in Matthew? I think possibly so, 12. I think possibly so, you could say that. I don't know that it's the entirety. I think it was a segment or a part of. But it's very hard to separate all that from just the simple fact. Jesus alone possessed the words of life. And what were the words of life? All things that represented living. And when you get depressed when you get sad, when you fall into apostasy and you start to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, when you think you somehow could offer up righteously the sacrifices that are therein unto the owner of all life, the giver of all life, the purveyor, I believe would be a word that I could use, the source, the creator of all life as an homage to the fact that there is no life except that God would then give that life. When you start to make decisions about how that life is distributed amongst people and with that who gets and who doesn't get There are judgments therein that go along with that as to who's better, who's worse. Your kingdom is already rent. Your kingdom is already divided. You just may not see yet the manifestation of it. But that's what happened to David. And with that, what happened to Solomon? Not that David wasn't a man after God's own heart, but he certainly knew what a divided kingdom looked like. And as much as in most recent podcasts we've discussed the numbering, David knew that came out of a bad place. And in that he repented, but I don't think Solomon did. Otherwise, he would not have blasphemed the Holy Ghost. And otherwise, he would not have reclaimed What was rightfully not only David's, but was there bequeathed, therefore, bequeathed to him. But God knew all along that Solomon was not going to do what he needed to do. Just as he knew that when the kingdom was given to Jeroboam, Jeroboam wasn't going to do it. Why? He wasn't even of the right, I guess, heritage. He wasn't even of what might even in Old Testament have been distinguished as truly a man of God. And here he was standing by the altar preparing to burn incense. And incense is not necessarily a sacrifice. And maybe it could be symbolic, maybe it could be metaphorically so, but in the Word of God, especially Old Testament, sacrifices were really about something not living, something being offered up unto the God, the only God, God of all creation. Verse 2, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest's of the high places who burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. He's talking to the altar. But he's talking to the altar because why Josiah was at an altar burning incense? Because he had by this point already assumed the position of king in that he was now designate by people's choice by no probably better than King Saul (laughs) physical stature uh, and somewhat then rebellion Solomon again had fallen into apostasy things were not going well Solomon too had blood on his hands but He had overthrown Solomon and had therein, had the calves, the cows that the Hebrew people worshipped in the wilderness, had likenesses unto them constructed, because he knew if the people ended up going to Jerusalem, Rehoboam king of Judah, at this point the kingdom had been divided, they were not going to come back. Their heart would be again, possibly rekindled. And so he just thought, well it's counterfeit, again it's all devil stuff. He just would create his own altar. And the man of God who was coming to this altar and saying these things first to the altar, and therein, secondarily to Jeroboam, was it doesn't work that way. You can't fool God, and God's not going to allow you any more. He allowed you to have the position of king over Israel, but you cannot therein actually be (laughs) the king as with representing God, and you certainly the people in a godly demeanor or manner, and you certainly could not be of the priesthood of the tribe of Levi. You could not do that rightfully so. Because he wasn't sanctified. He wasn't therein of that, as with order in Old Testament, that God has set forth. Why did God pick the Hebrew people? Why did God set aside the Levites? It's all in the Bible. As much human explanation can capture it, but just trying to get to the point because he wanted to. That was his plan. That should be enough. We could try to come up with additional reasons why that happened that way. And again, that would be into that area of justification, judgment. Judgment. And then all of a sudden you've taken something that was quite pure and you've corrupted it to such the extent simply because you want to be not only king, but you want to be priest. You want to be not only man of God, you want to be God. And that is unfortunately the iniquity, I do believe, that's in all humankind and what the devil manipulates the most. We love it when we're in charge. Even if we're not good at being in charge, and you may say, well, no, there's plenty of people that don't want to be in charge, but those, even so, want to control it all and will do whatever they need to do to control it because it's the human nature to do that. So what the man of God was basically saying is... God said, this isn't right, and this is going to be destroyed. And if you don't believe me, verse 3, And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam Heard the saying of the man of God who had cried against the altar in Bethel of all places, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold of him. Jeroboam was going to stop this because he already knew. That's why he built the altar. He already knew this was not going to be his kingdom. He was doing somewhat the same thing David was, he was already counting, numbering his resources trying to find the angle on it, to make it happen, trying to sustain it so that it can continue to happen to his advantage. But in of itself, that's the very thing that caused it to not only be rent from David, but what unfortunately Solomon got neck deep in, if not over his head in, All of that he was doing out of himself. And he stopped listening to God. He stopped listening to the voice that he was blessed to have heard of the Holy Spirit, as would then be giving him word. And I'm even going to say, though this was before Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one. It was Jesus even then speaking to him, he wasn't listening. Jeroboam knew it was over. He knew that he was an instrument to divide the kingdom, but that was his entire utility because he had not come to an acceptance of the word of God. And God gives everybody a chance and a choice. And the prophet came to Jeroboam and told him, if you would do what I, what God, the say of the Lord, tell you to do, then you'll always be king. It wasn't going to be taking the servant people and making them over the Israelites or the Hebrew people, but it would have been, God would have, I believe, fulfilled his promise, but God knew that the stuff of Jeroboam wasn't Holy Spirit stuff. It wasn't word of God stuff. It wasn't the word of God alive in him. Jeroboam was like all that had failed before him and would come to fail after him until the time of Jesus. And now, even so, awaiting the second coming of Jesus, those who have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, as we started the podcast, and are now designate Christian, alive, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, alive within you, Jeroboam did not not have that. So when he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold of him, his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was torn down, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him again and became as it was before. Sort of like a Moses-Pharaoh sort of situation. Pharaoh was not going to repent But Moses was learning much about, and God was establishing much then, his power. This is how it works. I speak it into existence. I then speak it into existence in another way. And what I spoke before, if I want it to be a certain way, I can change it anytime I want to. Now, is it without righteousness and justice? No, God is entirely righteousness. God is entirely justice. It's without human iniquity and therefore corruption as with judgment, as with control, as with all of us wanting to be king. That's the problem. God was demonstrating through the man of God, you could say the son of God. God, or son of man, not the son of God, the son of man, even as Jesus made the distinction between himself as son of man, and then therein the son of God declared. The idea, though, was that this man of God, as we will find out here in a very short moment, he did the same thing, believe it or not. The altar was also torn down and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the man of God besought the Lord and the God uh, and the king's hand was restored unto him again and became as it was before. And the king Verse 7 said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Now, there was a reason that God told the man of God not to fellowship and sup with Jeroboam. I would then again not to want to presume and get it wrong. And you wouldn't want me to either. But I think that in that there is a bit then the Holy Spirit. Jesus again exhorted us to not to blaspheme by not listening. But this is the Word of God. So we know it's inspired of the Holy Spirit as I'm reading it. Uh, We know when Jesus spoke those words, and then that too was captured in the Holy Bible, the Word of God, it was too of Holy Spirit anointing, and probably truth be told, as much the Father, Son, Holy Ghost again, the Trinity, would represent anything, it would be that even Jesus spoke that as Son of Man (laughs) by listening to the Holy Spirit, or at least understanding the mind of God. And then therein, with validity, the mind of Christ matches up. And what is it unto? It's unto obedience to God's Word. And really, the only ones that should be then prophesying or speaking or offering up offerings, or doing anything, as would be considered laying on of the hands, as would then be anything of ministry in the way of leading, guiding, and directing anybody, but particularly Christians, it should only be through the Holy Spirit, the man of God speaking thus (laughs) saith the Lord, what the Holy Spirit tells him, I will include her, To say, and it should then, in that same way, bear witness inside of you as a Christian and a believer in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to continue because continue, that would have been ideal, right? The man of God said this. So far, so good. He was heeding the advice of uh, certainly the Holy Spirit or the Word of God presented unto him. And with that spoke to Jeroboam. And there were signs or a sign and particularly a very personal one to Jeroboam. You just don't take this stuff lightly, Jeroboam. The warning, the cautionary statement, don't pretend to be something you're not. Because I'm going to know. (laughs) And how I'm going to know? Because it's going to bear witness to me in the Holy Spirit. You will know as you're known. You will recognize them as they otherwise then are manifest Christ. And how do we know that they're manifest Christ? By witness of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're overcomers (laughs) By the Word of God and the witness or our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We're overcomers in that, that's the way that we know. If you don't have at least the validity that the Word and then manifest living Word as with the Holy Spirit telling you what to do and then in living Word terms you doing it and then you're with someone else who otherwise then appreciates that and has that same voice speaking within them so they are joined again unto you or once again they are adjoined and connected to you as a body in the Holy Spirit, as the body of Christ, then you probably shouldn't have anything to do with them. (laughs) You shouldn't eat with them. You shouldn't drink with them. Uh, Certainly, anybody raises up an arm, no pun intended, against you and it withers up and then you say, oh, well, I'll pray that God restore your arm. Why would you trust them again to harm you? Unless there is some evidence of a salvation experience. Now, what's the evidence? Again, I'm not going to judge it. You shouldn't judge it either. You'll get the witness of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You'll see the love, the fruit of the Spirit being love. You'll see that love proceeding forth. Verse 11. 1 Kings 13, verse 11. Now, there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. Now, it's kind of interesting for me as I read that before and I'll read that again unto you or to you on the podcast. I don't know. Maybe the old prophet should have gotten the word as, again, that would have validated. Maybe the old prophet is a little bit upset because he didn't get the word. I'm still a bit suspect of where he is himself in terms of the word, and then living word, and then obedience unto God, and then the circumstance under which and unto which they're all living, (laughs) not only Israel, but Judah. And though Judah is better than Israel in the sense that they're more obedient to God, and this man of God has come from Judah, don't let that fool you, (laughs) because not too far off in the near future, so to speak, Uh, contextual to these verses, Judah goes the same way of Israel, which goes the same way of all of us until Jesus comes. And then all of us will continue to go, were it not for the sanctification of the Holy Spirit as was returned unto us by the coming of Christ and the atonement for sin and our iniquity to want to control it all. Jesus covers us for those of us who are willing to repent and confess we've done it wrong. And not try to maybe, again, kind of sneak around and trick you into believing us again. (laughs) Us being those that might otherwise really not be doing this the right way. And Jeroboam wasn't doing it the right way. Neither did he inherit the kingdom. He did not inherit the king, the kingdom. He did not become king the right way. And he certainly isn't inheriting the kingdom or as with that priestly, as with that then Leviticus, as with that then son of God, as with that then high priest, Jesus being son of God, high priest, there was no way Jeroboam was going to claim that legitimately. And God's going to reveal that to you in due time. You just can't raise up arms against him too quickly. Or if God would incline you to, then you have to do it in this manner. Let God have the victory. Let Him bring the forces against evil. The minute you raise up arms, you start numbering your resources, you start considering the cost of building the tower, you've already started to go down the wrong road. You're starting to do it out of yourself. Verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words, again Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them that they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, who came from Judah. And he certainly didn't go the same way he came. Why? Because God told him not to. And he said unto his sons, saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass and he wrote on it. Which, again, is kind of the counterfeit thing. I thought about Jesus, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, uh, immediate to his crucifixion, apprehension and crucifixion. He was on an ass. It was a symbol of humility. Again, I don't know <laughs> this old prophet. Uh, possibly he's even the devil. I don't know. But, but he certainly isn't doing much better than Jeroboam. But he wants to give appearances, I'm sure of that. And maybe he's a bit offended that he wasn't called upon because after all, he'd arrived. He's an old prophet. He'd established himself. There was validity in his prophecy. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode on it, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God who camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. God had told him, the man of God, not to do this. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt not eat, thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And and an angel spoke unto me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. That should be an obvious giveaway, right? Now, the man of God shouldn't have done it, but he was being tricked, as would be even again, of the serpent of the father, his father, the devil, when it comes to lying, cheating, and stealing. But alas, the man of God who had performed this mighty work in the name of the Lord, who had committed himself to doing exactly what God had said, who had, even as Baal, resisted the temptation, could not resist because of his humanity, his iniquity, his sin nature, and the fact that Jesus had yet to come and help him to shoulder and bear that cross and establish in him the Holy Spirit, in such a manner and way that you could not with any good conscience really blaspheme the Holy Ghost except that you would then give yourself unto the devil in Jesus we know the devil that's my message Jesus we can see him coming the man of God did not have that benefit You can say, well, the Holy Spirit, again, I said that earlier in the podcast, the Trinity, I do not take anything back from what I said before. I'm just saying that's why Jesus had to come. That's why he came as man, but he established himself God. That's why he came, so that we might have atonement for sin. That's why he came, so that we might overcome iniquity. That's why Jesus came, so that we might then have the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus came, so that in the Holy Spirit, we could hear Jesus again, speaking evermore unto us, not from outside of us, from within us, but Should we be at a point where two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus and we're needing some sort of validation or confirmation, then this would be the way to do it. But the idea is not that the Holy Spirit would, a house divided cannot stand, would speak against himself or create division within us, but the devil is looking for any opportunity to lie to you to trick you into believing something. And the trick he's going to give you, particularly as a believer, is that you're beyond beyond this. You're above and beyond all of this. You're just like the old prophet. You know the word. You even spoke the word. There's an anointing upon the word. There was even for Jeroboam. Jeroboam. But it wasn't because Jeroboam was a believer. And it wasn't even that Jeroboam was rightfully to inherit the kingdom be the king, or again, ever become a priest. It was so that God's justice, His righteousness again, could be established. And what is that? There is but one! Priest. There is but one king. There is but one kingdom of God, (laughs) the two great commandments. Because there's but one God. Anything outside of that, anything that is not in the Holy Spirit, anything that comes from any source other than the Holy Spirit, anything that would be looking for any opportunity that you would give him, it would be the devil. In you, To find habitation, your pride, your ego, the fact that somehow you are above and beyond all of this stuff. You can have it your way. And that's only good for hamburgers. Uh, That's a bad one. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. Continuing with verse 20. And it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet who brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept... "...the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers." You don't have a place in the kingdom. You don't have an inheritance with God. You don't have an inheritance with the Lord. You don't even have an inheritance with your fellow believers, your people. As in the body of Christ, and it came to pass after he had eaten and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass, that is for the prophet whom he had brought back, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. and if carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it, the lion also stood by the carcass and behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet who brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who is disobedient unto the word of the Lord. That's easy for him to say. And even so, in his hypocrisy, the prophet, one minute he's lying, and the next minute he's speaking out of the same well, bitter and sweet, it can't last and it's not righteous, and it's not just. So you should heed that. And he went and found his carcass cast, and he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled the ass. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. This was the old prophet. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother! And it came to pass, after he had buried him, that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher in which this man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones." (laughs) For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. After this saying, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places. Whosoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places." And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to the cut it off, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. And I read through verse 34. Now the lion. I am not sure of all of the Old Testament symbolism, but when I think of a lion. And I think of it as a, of the tribe of Judah. I think of Jesus. And with that, it is a little bit difficult for me to imagine that the lion, as would Jesus, would have anything to do with the death of someone. But he does. And even so, the humility factor, the hypocrisy factor, that the donkey is also there... <sighs> He tells me, you could pretend to be just about anything. You can even ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. You can even, and I believe the devil would do this, even he would pretend himself to not be preoccupied with his kingdom, his rule, his control, if it meant that he would have access to not only a human soul, but eventually to the Christ himself, and in his narcissism, his pride, his ego, his wanting it his way, the Baal, the Balaam, the Baal, even the Jeroboam, sort of dimension of all this, the Lucifer, the devil, Satan himself, and all those who would be again of that father, the devil. They would trick anybody they could even to pretend that they were Christ for the sake of their own, I guess, self-justification. But you'll know them because they don't lay down their life. You'll know them because they don't example Christ. You'll know them because they will take up arms against you. You'll know them because the moment they think you've come along or Jesus has come along, they're going to do the same thing to you as a Christian, as in Christ, as with the Holy Spirit, as of man or woman, of God. They're going to crucify you, but they need to have access to you, and they will send all sorts of false prophets your way. Some were obvious than others, Jeroboam. The old prophet being the less or the lesser obvious. But in the end, it is always, again, the witness of the Holy Spirit. If it's not done in love, and if it doesn't include turning the other cheek or laying down arms, don't take up arms. Don't kill anyone. Don't do the eye for the eye, tooth for the tooth. It doesn't work. It may have seemed righteousness and may have been given as righteousness even in Old Testament context, but it wasn't righteousness and it certainly wasn't righteousness complete. Righteousness complete is, yes, you have to realize for everything that you do, there has to be an atonement if it's sinful, if it's of iniquity. And now that we know, New Testament, it's Jesus. But it's not killing one another, it's not warring. It's not divided kingdoms. It's not Rebom and Jeroboam fighting throughout their life. It's not Solomon fighting Jeroboam. It's not Jeroboam being upset because Solomon... And then Rabom would not show his people any grace and mercy. It's not about people. You can't then just come up with your own religion when you don't like the way that the true religion, that of Christ, that of God, and with that, the testimony of Christ, not only Holy Spirit, but in physical dimension, The manifestation is to do just that, to turn the other cheek and lay down your life for another. You cannot be above, out of yourself. If you're exalted to that position, it's to serve a godly purpose, and it can be transactional because there's plenty of stuff in a material sense that remains undone or unfinished until the end of humanity that's transactional. That's when Jesus comes again and fully and totally all this transactional stuff that the Old Testament represents relationship-wise is done away with. But you're to do away with it now lest you fall prey to the peril, the warning, the cautionary statement. You think you're something that you're not. If you're not willing to enter into Jesus in the fullness thereof and his suffering, you cannot take communion worthily with him. And you will do him disservice. And in the process, you'll render yourself subject to not only the adversary, the devil, who is inspiring all of this. I don't have to put up with that. How dare you do that to me? You're supposed to serve me. That's why this whole servant thing about with Jeroboam. He just had a servant's mind, but he had it in the wrong sort of way. It wasn't the servant's heart. He was just tired of being a servant. He wanted to be king. The lion could be Jesus. It could be a prefigurement of Christ, at least the narrative, the story. Because when you put Jesus... Contextual to all of the false prophets. All the false doctrine. All the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's obvious. It's so obvious you can't deny it. And it'd be better if you didn't just fall down as even David did and plead for mercy. And God, whatever you see fit to do unto me and these people, my people, this people of yours... By the way, call by your name. We're going to submit ourselves to you because we were wrong when we numbered the people. We were wrong when we began to conceptualize taking up arms. We were wrong when we decided to defend our rightful inheritance. Only Jesus can get that, buy that for us. Reinstatement of that. It's the grace and mercy of God unto forgiveness when we repent but we're to show that to one another and we're not to kill each other. So when I read earlier from Matthew and was speaking to specifically blasphemy, I'm going to go back and read that. It's again chapter 12, verse 31. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men... But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven, men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this age, neither in the age to come. So clearly the man of God is in Old Testament, 1 Kings, Bethel, Jeroboam, altars, all of that was still transactional. And with that, he still didn't get the full revelation. Now, if I was the old prophet, I would not want to be laid next to that man. (laughs) Because that man did not receive his rightful inheritance. He fell short. He took his hand off the plow. He took his eyes off of Jesus. Jesus. I want to be fully in Christ, and should it even seem to kill me or require my life, it is better that I lay down my life, food, water, especially if it means ultimately that there's no righteousness or no justice without a righteous sacrifice, and that is Jesus. When we get that right, then everything else falls into place. When we fail to get that right, then we don't fall into place. We just fall. And with that, that's the cautionary note. You won't even see it coming, and your pride will set you up again for a major fall. Now, I always like to bring this back to some counseling context, at least for the sake of some integrity. As with the podcast, what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry? Well, it's really not my advice. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you to do anything to take up arms against someone else. I may recognize that you're not ready to do anything at that level without Jesus. I may show you in the name of Jesus by unction of the Holy Spirit, grace and mercy. But I'll do that out of demonstration of that and what I've tried to do on the podcast today with a cautionary note. If you don't read the Word of God, don't expect then the living Word to be an example of the word alive within you. Because if you don't understand the need for salvation that the word of God brings you to submit fully to not anybody else, Jeroboam, I'm not going to be Jeroboam. I'm not even going to be the old prophet. And I certainly don't want to be the devil. I really want to take you back to Jesus. But if we go back to Jesus... You confess your sin, you get out of that fight or flight, want to control it, want to take advantage of to protect myself. I want to consider the numbers so that I'll know if I've got enough, the right way to handle it. I don't want to get it through lying, cheating, stealing. I want to get and receive my rightful inheritance. But I have to do it God's way and Jesus is the only way for me that's the best answer to whatever ails you psychologically physically and that's what everything that we do at covenants specialized pastoral care services christian counseling ministry comes back to it is god's way it is of the leading of the holy spirit but you only have the holy spirit in jesus christ But if you don't want to have anything to do with all that suffering servant stuff, you just want everybody to serve you, you've got it wrong. You've missed the point. And what is the point? The point is we sometimes need to be reminded. The point is somebody sometimes needs to come along and say these things. And that's really what the podcast is about. Attempting to present this in such a manner and way as to help continue to encourage you to give it to Jesus, to read the Bible, to study the Word. But more than that, when the Word proceeding forth from within you because you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior says, Don't do something, don't do it. Don't raise up arms, don't hit them back. Don't lie, cheat, and steal to get what they stole from you. If they stole something, give them more. I know that sounds so contrary to human nature because it is. But if it's not contrary to anything, it would be the messaging of the devil. Why would you do that? Why would you give it to them? They're just going to steal it from you anyhow. Think like Jeroboam thinks. You're tired of being the servant? Be served for a while. Finally, the people have got somebody that's not going to make them servants. We finally got a king who is going to rightly take care of us, not like Solomon, and kind of sell us out or mistreat even a portion of us. It's an uprising of the people. No, it's a resurrection of the Christ. And he lives in you especially those of you who have accepted Him as Lord and Savior. If the podcast reminds you of that, if coming to Covenants, Specialized Pastoral care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, if coming to Covenants reminds you of that, listening to the podcast and coming to Covenants reminds you of that, that's exactly what we need. We can encourage one another in the Word. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person in Jesus availeth much. But don't do anything unless the Holy Spirit confirms it. And if he's not confirmed it, don't do it. If you want to reach out to us, you can call us 304-528-9220. You can find us at covenantsonline.com, Facebook, YouTube at Covenants. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. And, of course, you can come back for the next edition of What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Until then, be blessed.